Hello, it is Wednesday, June 10th. I'm Trent Reinsmith, and this is the daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Uh, first thing, probably most of today, just like most of yesterday, since we're um, in an uproar over fighter pay, that's going to be the main focus for today. And we're going to start off with Joe Rogan talking about fighter pay uh, from the Joe Rogan experience. Here's a clip, and... I'll move on to discuss it after we listen to what Rogan had to say. Well, right now in particular, um, there's probably less money because the fighters have to, um, there's no gate. There's no live gate. Yeah, there's no live gate. And that's an extreme amount of money. But there's also fighters that agree to certain deals. Mm -hmm. They agree to like an eight fight deal at X amount per fight. And then they become more popular, and then they want to renegotiate their deal. Yeah. And the UFC is like, look, we're just trying to stay open. Yep. We're not going to renegotiate anything. So they're like, like the, you can take yeah. it or you can leave it, but this is what it is. Yeah. I think it's a matter of that. But looking at it from the fighters' perspective, fighters would be certainly better off if there was more competition. That's always how it works. Yep. So whether it's Bellator or 1FC or all these different companies, the more of those there are, the more World Series of Fighting, the more professional fighting league, whatever the fuck it's called now, the more those rise, mm. the better it is for everyone. Mm. It's just how it is. It's like if there's only improvs and then you get banned from the improvs, you're fucked. But if you got funny bones, if you yes. got some theaters, if yes. you got these yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly like that. You know, I've seen that happen before with people. Yeah. I've seen that happen with comedy clubs, and I've seen that happen with fighting, too. You get banned from a big organization, and then you're fucked, man. Nobody's, yeah. you, like, it's not a monopoly in that you do have cho you do have choices, but there's one clear top of the food chain right. choice, but it's because they do it the best. They're also the only ones that are having fights during this quarantine, the only people that are putting on any live sporting events. It's amazing. But they're also a part of a company in WME that's hurting and needs really, it, yeah, really bad. So there's not a lot of money to throw around, like to, to keep the doors open, to keep people employed. A lot of money is uh, is is missing, right? There's yeah, all these shows got canceled. Yeah. There's all these uh, audience members that aren't going to be there buying tickets, and so it's tricky, man. So this yeah. is why I think they're complaining about fighter pay i think they should get paid more right i think everybody should get paid more i'm right. thinking it's a crazy way to make a living i think you should get the most amount of money you can possibly get so rogan brings up the um gate the, the absence of the gate and while that is true we know that the absence of the gate is not a a deal breaker for the UFC. It's not their main uh, source of revenue. It's not even close to their main source of revenue. And John Nash reported on this um, bloody elbow back in May. And the story, if you want to look for it, is called UFC Finances. Moody's reports that UFC can still thrive without live audience. So the Moody report that uh, Nash references says that the attendance revenue accounted for less than 12% of the revenue in 2019. And so, yeah, the UFC is going to feel that absence of the revenue because when you're making $900 million in, in, in that ballpark, um, 
10 to 12% is a pretty significant number, but it's not a it's not a number that is going to slow the the UFC down and it's not a number that should affect um, giving fighters higher payouts when we also know thanks to the reporting of Nash and Paul Gift uh, from the antitrust suit that the UFC keeps over 80% of the revenue so yeah um, giving somebody an extra couple hundred thousand dollars or so for a fight isn't isn't going to break the UFC's bank um, so that's a falsehood um, it sounds good it's going to get repeated a lot as we know Dana White has been repeating it a lot but it's not a deal breaker by any means and you should consider it mostly noise and mostly a distraction because the bigger focus is not the gate the bigger focus is the the revenue split and how the UFC keeps the the lion's share of the profits that's literally gained from the blood and sweat of the fighters and uh, so Rogan kind of implies here also that it's it's because of this and because of the pandemic and because of these these kind of things that the UFC is just trying to keep the doors open, which the UFC is fine, um, that it can't give out these raises. Again, that's this, a distraction and it, it glosses over the bigger point. This isn't something new. The UFC hasn't just started nickel and diming its fighters. That's that's built into the uh, into the business plan. The business plan is to keep that split as close to 80-20 as possible. And and that's, that's just the way it is. And that was one of the selling points when Endeavor purchased the UFC. That they knew that the revenue split was there. And if you're um, looking at a business to, to purchase and they tell you we're going to keep 80% of the revenue and only and only give the employees in this place in this case independent contractors 20% and that's the plan going forward because they don't have a union they don't have representation they don't have an association we can we can keep that that revenue split as close to that as as humanly possible for as long as possible that's an attractive business to buy and so the pandemic has hurt WME and Endeavor, but it, it really hasn't hurt the UFC because they have those guaranteed contracts um, with ESPN. And as long as they're staging fight cards, they're getting their share minus the gate, which again has not been a large part. Um, Rogan also says that more competition will be good and that's usually true. But UFC contracts are so one-sided that if a fighter is unable to compete for any reason, and I just read this, this was in Eddie Alvarez's contract, so I don't know if something's changed. I doubt that. Um, so if uh, a fighter can't compete um, for any reason and they're offered a fight, when they refuse that, it gets extended. Their contract gets extended for six months. So, say you're out for a year with a, an MCL tear. Well, they offer you three fights on there, which they're contractually uh, they have to do. 
you can't fight because you're injured, that's 18 more months on your deal. So yeah, sure, this comp the idea of competition sounds good, but if you're never if you never hit free agency, knowing that someone else is out there that could offer you a better deal isn't going to help your pocket. If you're if you're tied to a, a seven fight deal, and time just keeps getting added to that, so all these things sound good. Um, they sound like the UFC is not ripping the fighters off, but the reality is they are. Now I'll I'll give Rogan credit here for um, saying that the fighters deserve more money, but to to be ill-informed about the fighters plight as far as pay goes I don't that seems like a, a blind spot for Rogan is it and it could be a purposeful blind spot because he just doesn't want to know how bad it is so I, I don't know but these things that are brought up by Rogan and Cormier and White while there are some truths to what they say, they leave out the ugly side, and that's the side that needs to be reported when it comes to fighter pay. That's the side that needs to be pushed back on when these claims are made, and that does not happen often enough. Hopefully that is going to change, but I'm not counting on it because the media is kind of complicit in the same way that that the the fighters are not that's not to say the fighters are complicit in getting um less pay i, I meant to say that the uh the ufc keeps the media in line and it's the same way it keeps the 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 fighters in line with you know with threats of um blackballing and and just subtle threats that will uh you know they'll they'll deny your your credentials so the 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 favorable reporting is is in, just like the bad contracts is built into the system. Earlier today, um, MMA fighting had a discussion and on the A side, and one of those one of the points subjects was uh, would other fighters follow John Jones and Jorge Masvidal. Um, on the fighter pay issue and I would like to think they will I would hope they would but the nature of the UFC business tells us they probably won't um, and we saw an example of that just earlier this week a couple of days ago when Gilbert Burns took uh, the offer to fight Kamara Usman Burns could have held out, could have said he's not going to take that fight for less than what Jorge Masvidal was offered. I'm going to assume that Burns, since he got the fight over Masvidal, uh, came in at a lower bid. Um, and so... That's why he's fighting for the title, and, and Jorge Masvidal is not. So, yeah, like I said, I would, I would, 
like to think that it's going to happen, but I doubt that it's going to happen. Um, and one of the reasons I doubt that it's going to happen is because uh, managers are a little too friendly with the UFC. And I think one of those two friendly managers is Ali Abdulaziz. Um, I think that because a couple years ago uh, in an interview with Ray Sefo, he said that he liked working with uh, Abdelaziz and, uh, because he didn't take the offers that Sefo gave him for the fighter pay to fight in the PFL and try and play that offer against another promotion to uh, to get more money for his fighters, which is what a manager should do is to try and extract the largest payday he, he or she can from a promotion uh, by using leverage to do so. And if her manager is not using leverage, any leverage, and just saying, oh, you know, that's the deal and, and I'll take it, well, then your manager is not really doing it. Your, his job, is he? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, the problem is going to be not only fighters undercutting other fighters, but managers undercutting uh, other fighters in the interest of, uh, in, in their self-interest, really, because if their fighter is holding out for pay, they're not getting paid. They're not getting that 10%, and I hope it's only 10 but I'm sure it's more in some cases. Um, and so if the manager wants to make money, 10% of, you know, 250000 is better than 10% of nothing. Uh, so I would hope that it's not true, and I hope that's not what's happening, but I'm not going to say it's not what's happening because I think that's what is going to happen and what is already happening and what has always happened. Um, because in the case of Gilbert Burns, um, if you turn down a title fight, Who's to say you're going to get the next one or the next one after that? We know the rankings are only used when the UFC wants to use them. So if you're ranked number one, so what? Those rankings don't mean anything unless the UFC wants to use them. And then they mean something. But if you're going in for a contract and you say you're number one ranked, they're going to tell you that so. So, yeah, um... I'd like to think so, but history tells us that unless Jones and Masvidal are rewarded for their actions, there won't be a whole bunch of people following in their footsteps. Speaking of uh, MMA managers, the uh, fighters that have voiced their opinions on low pay are very quick to point the finger at the UFC and and that and rightfully so because they they control the purse strings um, so if you know you want to get money that's going to come from the UFC so who, who are you going to attack you're going to attack the UFC but these fighters have managers and their managers jobs are to extract that money from the UFC and if they're not doing their job for the fighters and they're not getting the fighters the pay they they think they deserve, 
then why continue to to work with that manager? If the, if the, if your manager is just accepting the the standard UFC bumps in pay for your wins, and not extracting a, even a little more from them from the UFC, well, you can do that on your own. You don't have to pay somebody ten ten percent or more to 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 pick up the phone when the UFC calls and say and say yes. You can do that on your own. Um. So. I think these, these these fighters that are complaining about pay should also look inside their own house, um, maybe ask their managers, show me on paper what you what you provide for me that's worth the money I pay pay you, and if the contracts you got from that manager that they negotiated for you are the same as you would have gotten on your own, and they're not providing you with um, any kind of income from sponsorship deals or, or anything of that nature, well, then maybe maybe you don't need that manager. Maybe you don't need any manager. If the UFC is not going to increase your pay and your manager is not going to work hard to do that, maybe, maybe you'd be better off on your own. And it's, it's something I think fighters need to really consider. Um, you know, if, if, if the UFC is going to take a hard line, get what you can and cut out the middleman and keep that extra 10 plus percent that you would have handed somebody else. Now, if things change and the UFC comes to the table, all right, maybe you go in there with someone experienced and who has negotiated contracts before and you know, pay them a set fee or a set percentage of working out that deal. But there's no reason to keep paying a manager if they're not doing anything for you. It, it doesn't make any sense. This and and I think the UFC knows that it has the advantage over managers. It knows that not not a lot of managers are experienced as or well. Um, credentialed as the managers who represent the other major sports. There's no barrier to entry as an MMA manager. There are barriers to entry in the other sports, and those barriers are set not by the the leagues, but by the players' associations. And without a players' association, you, uh, you don't have any barrier. So... Uh, if if your if your manager is just some dude who or some dude who just decided he was going to manage MMA fighters and was lucky enough to get a stable of fighters, that's your manager. So, um, yeah, I think fighters need to look around themselves and say, "Is this person who's getting a big chunk of my pay?" earning that money and if the answer is no cut them loose manage yourself and just play things by ear and if you need to get a manager at some point do so but until then keep all your money I mean it doesn't make sense to give somebody money that's doing nothing for you something else I was thinking about today is if Dana White's been harping about the uh, 
fighters don't have to compete right now if they don't want to. We never make anyone, we never force anyone to fight. Which, again, this is one of those situations that's sort of true. Because if you don't accept a fight, your contract gets extended. So you kind of have to fight even if you're worried about COVID-19 or worried about not having a good training camp. Yeah, you kind of have to fight unless you just want to have your contract endlessly extended. And so my, my I was wondering if, if that contract extension thing is, enfor is enforceable right now or is, in, or is something that the UFC is enforcing. Because if you tell fighters that they don't have to compete, if they're worried about COVID-19 or worried about not getting a full training camp, but then extending their extending their contract for six months because they said no. That seems kind of shitty. Um, you're in a global pandemic and you're going to extend somebody's contract because they're worried about that. I, I don't like that. I, I don't know how that would fly if you took it to court. Um, because these circumstances aren't your regular circumstances. But then again, I don't know how it would fly if you if you took it to court saying they're extending my contract when I got injured in a fight. That seems kind of risky too, but we know the UFC has uh, the means to drag a, a court case out and, and that would break, I'd say, 90 plus percent of the UFC fighters. And so if it's in the contract, fighters just kind of accept it. So I don't I don't know maybe one day someone will stand up to the con the UFC contract, and and really work through it and, and take it to court, and maybe John Jones will be that guy. He if there, if there's anyone sitting out right now, that could do it, it would be Jones. Um, he probably has the means to do so, and that would help not just him but every other fighter. But. Again, not something I'm counting on because it's still a risky proposition for, for Jones. But somebody could do it. Somebody should do it. But I'm not, again, not going to put money down that it's going to happen. I, uh, I posted something on Bloody Elbow yesterday saying that that Dana White dropped the ball by not making a statement on Black Lives Matter and his next uh, topic I want to talk is kind of related to that White has said that he doesn't um, stifle speech he lets people the fighters say what they want to say and that's true but I would argue that the Reebok deal um, kind of does stifle at least free expression. And so, you know, look at uh, UFC 250 and these upcoming cards. If a fighter wants to express themselves, um, they, they can't do it with a, uh, with a, a shirt. Say someone wanted to, to wear a, a Black Lives Matter shirt to the, to the octagon. They can't do that. And so... That does stifle free expression. It does stifle speech. And yeah, the UFC has a right to do that because they're a business. And 
as such, they they can do what they want. And if they say you have to wear a uniform or you have to wear a Reebok shirt to the cage or you can get fined, which is the case, then so be it. But that doesn't mean that they're not uh, holding holding fighters back from expressing themselves because they are. And the, we saw the NBA players wear I can't breathe shirts during the shoot around during their warm up. So why can't a UFC fighter wear a Black Lives Matter shirt to the to the octagon? So maybe maybe loosen that up a little bit, let let these fighters express themselves. Um, same kind of deal here with the uh, some fighters shot a video that was extremely reminiscent of the NFL video, giving, give, lending their voices to, to Black Lives Matter. Um, ESPN MMA tweeted it out. I have not seen the UFC tweet it out. And this goes to the, the fact also that the UFC still hasn't made a, a statement on behalf of the organization um, in any kind of support for Black Lives Matter or um, against systematic racism or police brutality. And I'm going to guess they're not going to do so, um, which again is their right, but I don't also think it looks it looks bad and it, it doesn't it doesn't support the the fighters under the UFC banner either. Um, I know Aljamain Sterling and uh, Alex Caceres spoke up on at UFC 250 about the issues that that fa- facing that they're facing um, and but uh, the UFC has not made a statement and I think that's poor form and I think that speaks volumes um, I think the UFC is a is not a good organization when it comes to speaking up speaking up or uh, reining things in there's been multiple times when fighters have said things that are sexist homophobic racist and the UFC has done nothing even though those those incidents clearly violate the UFC's fighter uh, code of conduct and I know the UFC wants to say they don't 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 stifle this free expression, but when your free expression also uh, is impinging on the rights of other people, well, then that that expression might might need to be shut down. It does need to be shut down, and the UFC doesn't do that. They did it early on with Matt Mitrione and Nate Diaz, um, but since then, it's pretty much been free reign. Uh, so. The UFC's code of conduct is a joke. It was written to to keep people satisfied that it had one. Now that it has a code of conduct, it doesn't do anything with it. So it's just a useless piece of paper. So it's just something to, to keep in mind. That while the UFC says it doesn't uh, keep people from speaking up, that goes as far as letting people 
you know, put down other groups of people, which is, it shouldn't be tolerated. Also, speaking of the, my story about Dana White dropping the ball on Black Lives Matter statement, I want to talk a little bit about the folks who say that, you know, keep, stick to sports, keep politics out of sports. I don't think this is a political issue um, because it's a human rights issue. And to be against a group that's expressing their dissatisfaction with how they're being treated because of systematic racism and police brutality, I don't think that's political at all. I think that's human rights. I have that. I, I, I don't have to worry about going out and walking my dog in my neighborhood and, and getting stopped by the police. But other people on my street, they, they do have to worry about that. And that's wrong. And I think uh, that's not political. Political would be me bringing up, you know, abortion rights or something of that nature. Not racism. I mean, <laughs> there's only one right side on, on the question of, of race, racism. And if you're racist and you dislike someone or want to keep someone down because of the, the color of their skin, well, then you're wrong. There's no question on that. There's there's no way you can argue that that it's a good thing. So stick uh, human rights is is not political. It's just not. And if you think it is, you're you're probably telling on yourself. And I want to end it on a come on now moment. So during this whole build up to Fight Island, we were led to believe it was going to be some kind of magical thing and it was some kind of glorious event that would take place on some exotic beach. And that's not the case. It's just a fight in another fight card in Abu Dhabi. And the ES, uh, recent ESPN story said that the promised octagon on the beach is also just going to be a training octagon on the beach. So even that didn't get delivered. So it's just another uh, hyped up BS kind of kind of deal. It's kind of like along the same lines of when Dana White was talking up the apex as being the future of fighting. And it was just a building with a small octagon in it and some production and some production uh, facilities. Sure, it's great for the UFC, but it it's not. It doesn't do anything for anybody else. So this is the same kind of deal. It's just uh, a bunch of built up hype, and then you find out the reality, and you're like, oh, so it's a fight card in Abu Dhabi in the middle of July, and where it's going to be 120 degrees without lights shining on the octagon so it's going to be even more and that's not healthy or safe for the fighters who haven't trained but we'll ignore that and there's 
the question of human rights violations on how things get built, but we're going to ignore that. And, yeah, that Fight Island announcement was a huge letdown. So, come on now. If you're going to hold a fight card in Abu Dhabi, don't build it up to be some kind of spectacular Fight Island thing. It's just another UFC fight card. It's going to look the same as every other one, I have the feeling. So, come on now. And with that, call it a night. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. 